With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, folks, welcome back to Lace Mountain West Wire football podcast, NFL Draft Edition. Jeremy Moss here hanging out with Matt Kennerly. Check us out, as always, MWR.com. Facebook, Twitter, all that great stuff. We have, we're nearing 2,000 Twitter followers, Matt, so that's a, that's a good sign, right? Ever so slowly, yes. Thank you for everybody who's been following us day after day. I know the past week or two, because not much going on, we're, we're putting some stuff out there, but this week, blowing out the budget. All draft talk all the time. We have draft profiles up on, we get, let me see, Josh Allen, Cameron Kelly, Richard Penny, David Wells, um, who else we got? Um uh, I'm right. It's a Boise State guy. There's a we'll have at least a do, about a dozen or so. Oh, Austin Corbett this morning from our good buddy Brandon Blake. So if you want to draft stuff, just go to we got a little tap at the top. Josh Allen plus draft stuff. So if you like draft, if you're new to finding us because you're an NFL team, like what are these guys about? Who what do they know about Cedric Wilson? Thank you for stopping by. We have you covered all week because Thursday will be here before you know it. So do you have a plan for Thursday on how you're going to watch the NFL draft? Um, I. <laughs> yes, I'll tell I'm, you. I'm just curious. Well, no, because I may have some obligations where I may not be able to watch it live, which bums me out. However, what I normally do, this year is still TBD of what, if I'll be able to watch it live or how much live, but I like NFL Network the best. I think they're the best way to go to watching it. I totally agree. It's going to be on Fox. What did that could change this year because Fox is picking it up as well? Is Fox doing Thursday also? I, you know what? Off the top of my head, I don't know. Because they're picking up the NFL Network feed, but they're bringing in guys like um, uh, Troy Aikman and guys who do NFL coverage, which could be a little bit different spin than what ESPN. I know ESPN's countering with their game day stuff like Curb, Herb Street. Um, I think Desmond Howard, those type of guys who hang out for game day are going to be doing a little thing as well. So it's going to be, I think, different coverage, which could be good overall. But typically, I like NFL.com. What I normally do is like have their website up and the live stream as well and go through because they get picks up right away. They have good analysis. But I, I just like – Mike Mag does a really good job, and so I prefer to go to NFL Network. But I'll flip back and forth here and then, especially this year if it's a bit different I, with the uh, game day guys and, like, Troy Fox guys showing up on NFL Network. could be a, a good change. Yeah, I'm just – I'm really hoping there's no spoilers. Do you, or do you care about that? Do you care about tipping picks? I, cause honestly, I, I absolutely do. I, I mean, do not cause... care one bit. I don't care. I do it. I mean, I I understand why they have why they have to do that because Money. that is that is their job, you know. But yeah, I mean, as someone who I mean, because it is you know a lot about theatrics and things like that, or just waiting to know what teams are going to do what and things like that. So yeah, I mean, I get it, but I don't necessarily enjoy it. You know. So here's your warning now: Jason Lockham for will do picks. Just mute him because he'll get a million tweets about saying you're spoiling the draft. Here's the thing: if you don't want it to be spoiled, don't watch it. Don't go to Twitter. Just turn on your feed. Whatever you're gonna do, TV, streaming, ESPN, or if you're just watching on a, who knows, CBS HQ probably have something as well. But if you don't want picks to be spoiled, just watch watch it online. Pick somewhere online to watch and don't open Twitter. That's Rule, rule to live by: Don't go on Twitter. Well, I kind of have to, but yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm serious. Like, if you if you care about picks being tipped or don't care, I mean, mm-hmm. if you do care, just watch your feed because the ESPN guys aren't going to tip picks. Basically, if they're broadcasting, they're not going to tip picks. Like, does Jay Glazer still work with Fox? I don't know. I I think so. 
so he used to be a big insider guy. I know he does MMA stuff, obviously NFL, but um, his Twitter still says NFL insider for Fox Sports. So that could be different if he's part of that broadcast because Fox is airing it with NFL Network. So, but yeah, if you don't want to be spoiled by picks, just watch TV and don't worry about going to Twitter or whatever. So there's your PSA, right? Yes. So we got two things going on this week. We have draft. We also have the Avengers coming out. Should we talk about that? Because your tweet you put out earlier that stumped me very badly. Yeah, because, I mean, Infinity War comes out, you know, competing head-to-head foolishly, perhaps, with day two of the NFL draft. Wait, <laughs> or hold on. Actually, it's actually going head-to-head with the NFL draft, because I don't know how it is out in Utah, but they have Thursday evening showings they here do. in Fresno. Here's the thing. If I had a choice, I'd go to Avengers first, earliest possible over the NFL draft. I'll tell you mm-hmm. that right now. So you agree with me? I absolutely do. I wish the company I used to work for, because I, I chat with our buddy Josh Webb sometimes, and he gets to see it Tuesday, so I'm very jealous of that. The company I used to work with, you could see it early, like Tuesday, like all the new Star Wars, all the Avengers, all the Marvel movies, like Tuesday, maybe even Wednesday. Everybody I know there doesn't work there anymore, and so I'm, I have to wait like the people and see it Friday or something. That's when I'm going Friday night. So Yeah. But it, it's... You let's go get your tweet. We'll maybe we'll make it part of the show because we like to have fun here. It is the offseason. The NFL draft can only do so much. And our interview coming up with uh, maybe we should mention who we're having on, right? Justin Michael of NFL Draft Wire, or Justin the, Mello. Oh, that's our other buddy. You'll find out my name game today is terrible. Justin Mello. I'm thinking of our buddy Justin Michael. Justin Mello, the Draft Wire, um, DraftWire.usaToday.com. That'll be great. You'll hear me fumble name as well. So what's new, right, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> All in today's work. It happens. But if you put out a good tweet, what's the favorite, uh, what is it, what'd you put, Marvel trailer? Yeah, because, you know, they've basically been putting out very good trailers, good to great trailers, I would say, for a decade. And, yeah, I was just, I've been watch. I've been one of those people watching the Infinity War trailer over and over and over again, just getting hyped for it. But, like, to me, like, the obvious answer was the first trailer that they put out for Age of Ultron. It's the one that they they take the 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 song from Pinocchio about mm-hmm. having no strings and things like that and make it super eerie and stuff like that because I feel like they just it put you in the right frame of mind for what that movie was going to be about. So for me, that's kind of like the gold standard for Marvel trailers. One, it's a good one too because also James Bader, amazing actor, he can basically do no wrong. So that's a great role for him as well. Exactly. Also, one I I just thought of just now. Also, it has Iron Man. I don't think it's in the movie. But I think it was Iron Man two. Whatever you think of the movie, it was they're all pretty. They're all, I'd say they're all good. Some great, but the one where he, I think he's chatting with somebody. I think it's Pepper or whatever. They toss his helmet and he goes out and gets it. I don't think that was in the movie, but I thought that was a pretty cool trailer. Do you remember that one? <sighs> I think that that's Iron Man. I think that's Iron Man three. Three. One of, yeah. What? Yeah. It's one of the two or three, but. He, they toss the helmet out, and he dives after and gets it. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm. But honestly, I know the recency bias is a big deal, but every Black Panther trailer I saw was amazing. Um, yeah, I totally agree with that. I would also submit that the the trailer, the first trailer they put out for Captain America, the Winter Soldier, mm, yes. is also an excellent trailer. So, uh, let's see. I guess, okay, I'll give one more. The Thor one when he meets Hulk. Ooh, yeah, okay, Ragnarok. Yeah, because they, they should try to keep that more of a secret, even though that's what I hate with trailers sometimes. It's like some people are saying, don't want the Jurassic World trailer, the new one, because some trailers give away too much, but I felt that one, even though it gave away, I thought that was pretty cool. That was a really good one. I definitely agree. So let me ask you this. We'll do one more, then we'll get to draft talk here, get to our interview. What's your um, favorite movie overall from the MCU? Um, It's a tie it's between a tie. Black Panther and Winter Soldier. Those are good. I 
those are possibly my favorite as well. I Black Panther's really good. Winter Soldier, their opening scene is amazing. I would say, um, was Ultron opening scene where they're in the snow? Is that the opening scene, correct? When they, or is that um, where they're yeah? They're going out. They're going out together to take out a Hydra base. Yeah, that one. That opening scene is amazing. I still maybe because it's the first one I saw, but I still really, really, really like the first Iron Man. I felt that was a really a great movie. An underrated choice, also the the first Captain America movie. That's I'm also very fond of that one. That, that's also good. I actually watched it recently to see have you see Bucky in that role because he's brainwashed after that. Yeah. I would also say, did you ever watch? I know this is technically part of it, but not really. But did you ever watch Agent Carter? On ABC? Uh, I never, I never did. No, you should find that. I was ticked to get canceled. It was a pretty cool show. Basically, it's her after after Captain America stuff. The first I'm pretty one. sure, I'm pretty sure it's still on Hulu. I think. Hulu, yeah, I think it, they did like twenty six episodes. It's. I thought that was pretty good, but um, let's get to our draft stuff. We'll get to our other rapid, rapid wrap up players as I try to speak of we didn't get to with our good buddy Justin Mel. So. Take a quick time out. We'll be back to a chat with the actual real good draft expert there. All right, folks. It's what you've all been waiting for. Draft season's here. We're getting to an expert because, well, me and Matt Kenner, we, we know what we're doing, but we have Justin Mello who does a lot of draft stuff. Follow him on Twitter, Justin M underscore NFL, USHA draft wire, Titans wire. So we're all sort of connected, sort of. All right, so uh, first off, Second time of the show. Thanks for hopping back on with us, Justin. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Glad to be back. All right, so we're doing Mountain West, and we'll we get we got the big name. Everybody knows the big name here. We have there's more than Josh Allen is what we're going to say here. There's a handful of players that are going to get drafted. We won't get to the numbers, but I think last year I had about ten. So our main goal is to go over the main players. What because you interviewed, I think you you made what seventy plus guys, seventy five guys. You. I know you talked to Leighton Vanderesh, you talked to, I think, Cedric Wilson, Michael Gallup. Are those correct names you've spoken with? Pretty much everybody who's important. Uh, from the Mountain West, I would say, yeah, yeah, I spoke to all three of those guys. Correct. Excellent. So let's, um, we'll, we'll save Josh Allen for a moment because we want people to tune in for a couple minutes here and there just because we don't want, hey, Josh Allen, we're done. We're out of here. So, like I said, you've done first stuff for Draft Breakdown previously, currently with DraftWire. So let's start with, um, let me ask you this question. Is that a specific player? Who and not and not a Josh Allen answer also because we'll get to that in a minute. Who would, who's the best non-Josh Allen player? Let's start with there in the Mountain West. Is it simple Van Der Esch, perhaps? Yeah, I would say Lane Van Der Esch for sure. I have him in the first round, probably going in the top twenty in my opinion. This is a guy who really is just a freak athlete, but it's more than that. You know, he's someone who I'm sure you guys are familiar, but walked on at Boise State at 215 pounds. I mean, a self-described. 215-pound scrawny linebacker is the exact words he used uh, when I asked him about it. This is a guy who's worked incredibly hard to get to where he is today. I mean, I, as you mentioned, I had the opportunity to sit down and chat with him for a while. I think he mentioned five or six times throughout our conversation how his favorite time of the year is the offseason. That's when he can truly improve himself. Came across as a guy to me who genuinely really, really loves the game, loves football, loves the process of getting better showed up to the combine at what 200 and I think it was 256 pounds I think it was ran the 40 yard dash 4.65 seconds which is an excellent time for his size 39 and a half inch vertical really blew the top off uh, off the combine uh, just just really someone who I'm very very impressed with and I think once teams get him in the interview room they'll, they'll kind of have the same experience that I did you know really going to show up off his football IQ really impressive guy who loves the game uh, and, but it's more than just that. It's more than just the, you know the love of the game. It's more than just being a great athlete. 
I think he's someone who, uh, you know, he's a great football player, bottom line. Someone who plays the game with excellent instincts, is, in, is consistently in a position to make plays because he reads the game so well, that high football IQ that he has. Uh, again, someone who I really, really think belongs to the top half of the first round, really think he's going to be the defensive captain for the team for the next 10 years. Let me ask you this real quick, I'll let you hop in here, Matt, but there's been reports, or I don't know if it's a true report, I've seen a little bit about an injury about him, because I know, I forget where I saw it from, but I know BJRH, who covers him, Idaho Press Tribune, and others were saying that there's an injury that's been mentioned, but it's similar to J.J. a couple years ago, like he does workouts perfectly fine, medical comes out fine, but then there's those, I know you probably hate these anonymous scouts who say whatever they want without giving their name, saying there's some sort of injury factor with him, but then you have like guys who actually covered him in college, and even now say that's not the case. Have you any clarification? Do you know anything about that? If that's what you've talked to him or read or reported or chatted with people, is that any more being the case or some mystery injury that at least one scout said that could cause him to drop? Well, for me, I was surprised when we heard that because, A, as, as you mentioned, nothing popped up at the combine. He wasn't asked to go back to the, the medical rechecks that they do down there. So for me, I, that came totally out of the blue. I don't buy it. Uh, for the record, I mean, I, I did reach out to his agent the day that that happened. I know his agent very, very well. I reached out directly to Ron Slavin, and he told me it's a non-issue. I mean, it's, you know, it's his agent, obviously. But at the end of the day, I mean, I'm going to take him for his word. I, I've got, again, I haven't got any wind of anything whatsoever from anyone who I know uh, familiar with the situation. Again, to me, you know, if it was even remotely an issue, I imagine it would have been at the medical reading checks, which he was not. I hit up the agent immediately, told me it was completely bogus. So, I mean, that, that's all I've got on that. And whatever it's a team just trying to sabotage or something, who knows? They always say weird stuff. Yeah, exactly. To me, it's, it's you know, it's what they call a lying season right now. And uh, on that subject, I'm not buying it at all. I think it's 100% fine. There's nothing to worry about at all. So, you know, I, I saw a headline recently that my beloved 49ers wanted to bring him in for a visit, but they weren't able to do so because of scheduling concerns and things like that, or scheduling conflicts, rather. So, I mean, I've seen him attached to any number of teams, you know, especially a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers, for instance, who have been known for, you know, drafting and developing great linebackers for pretty much as long as I've been an NFL fan. But, you know, you see his name popping up all over the kind of the second half of the first round. So for you, in your opinion, where do you think it would be his best fit? Or rather, who do you think needs him to be on their defense next year the most? I uh, originally I had mocked him to the Tennessee Titans at 25, who I obviously covered from Titans Wire. I really like the idea of him in Tennessee. I think that you know for, for a number of reasons. I think him, uh, general manager John Robinson, and head coach Mike Vrabel. He's the kind of guy I can see really hitting it off with those two guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, you know those, those are those are two guys who are you know kind of trying to build a culture down there in Tennessee of team first, coachable guys, and that's really the impression that Leighton gave me when I got to spend some time with him. They do have a need at inside linebacker, so it's not just sort of uh, a jump kind of basing off of personality. They lost Avery Williamson in free agency, who signed with the New York Jets. You could argue inside linebacker uh, is one of their biggest needs on the roster right now. So I really, really like the idea of him in Tennessee. But then again, they have they reportedly canceled a visit with him as well because they don't think he's going to last till 25. Now, does this injury stuff change that? Who knows? But... Um, it was up to me. I, I'd really like to see him in Tennessee next year. All right, let's. I know we got a short time, so we only spend ten on every player. Let's move to the next guy on our list. We're just going kind of in order. We'll get to Al in a second, but Rashard Penny, San Diego State. Uh, we talked with him before uh, a while back, but basically, 
He, he touches the ball. He does. He basically has four positions at once, three positions at once, kick return, punt return, versus the guy, which is huge NFL. If you can take up three to four positions with one guy, you're more valuable than that third down fullback or whatever. Maybe the pass block or something. I see Penny like floating around like there's a, a small talk like, oh, maybe very late in the first round. That doesn't seem the case anymore, but seems to be a top five running back, like obviously behind Chico and Barkley and a few other guys. Where do you see him? Because I think he has a little bit more size, even though he's not like the bulky back to be a guy who can second, I don't know, second or third round. Like, what's your in- input on him? Like, where do you see him kind of going and fitting at this next level? Yeah, I think he's a second round pick, uh, Jeremy. I-, I got him. I got him in the top sixty-four on my personal big board. I think I have him around fifty-eight off the top of my head. Uh, a guy who I really, really like. I don't think he'll he'll jump into the first round, as you mentioned. I see him going second round, maybe a team, you know, maybe late second. Team like Philadelphia, who's apparently going to target running back early. They don't get a guy, you know, at, at the end of the first round. He might be a guy in the second that they look to. They might have to move up to get him. I'm not sure he'll be there at, uh, at 64. But for me, if I'm giving my scouting report on him, first thing that jumps out at me is his vision. Now, this is someone who my favorite trait of his is I find he does his best work when he's running between the tackles. Really, you know, north-south runner. Really, even when given the tiniest of holes to run through, I find he's someone who hits it with a sense of decisiveness. That's rare for a 22-year-old running back. Uh, Here's a guy who's really helped himself throughout the process as well. You know, went down to the Senior Bowl where he was the co-MVP. Then he gets to the Combine, runs the 40-yard dash in 4.46 seconds, which I think was really important for him to sort of you know, there was, we had seen some lingering concerns of his breakaway speed. I think he might have kind of put that to bed a little bit. As you mentioned, uh, threat to score every time he touches the ball. Uh, I, I really, really like him. I think he's going to routinely gas defenses for big games at the next level. And um, you mentioned him playing multiple positions. Well, I talked about him as a runner. What about in the passing game? You know, he, he, does, he does such great work. He's got such natural soft hands there. It's something that he's really going to... Uh, have a lot to offer his team at the next level, both yeah. as a runner and passer. Yeah, that senior bowl passer, remember, he cuts back upfield, the quarterback yeah. does a perfect throw over the shoulder, soft hand, and takes off. With 70 yards, I think it was. Something like that, yeah, it's amazing. Well, and one of the questions that I had, because one of the things I'm always interested in, and or, you know, because I'm a big fan of football outsiders, for instance, and so one of the things that they have that they measure running backs by a speed score, and you mentioned the fact that Penny ran a 4-4-6 at the Combine, and, you know, for those of you who aren't familiar with speed score, generally speaking, it's just, you know, if you can combine being faster with being bigger, you know, the higher your speed score is going to be. So, you know, Saquon Barkley was the guy who kind of blew everybody away pretty much, you know, you know with the size and the speed at the combine. But what's interesting is considering all the guys who were there who ran the 40, Rashad Penny's score was actually third among about 20-something running backs, and it wasn't that far behind, you know, someone like you know, Saquon Barkley. So I guess my question for you is, you know, as someone who, you know, considers, you know, just about everything in a mock draft, how much does, do these kinds of advanced metrics or just different ways of looking at things, how much do those factor into how, where you slot guys, especially in skill positions? Cause that's most of where these um, metrics are concerned. Yeah, for me personally, I, I pay attention to all that, you know, metrics, whether whatever your analytics, all that sort of stuff, I try to pay a lot of attention to, and I'm always trying to learn and better the way I do things. But I'm one of those people, and I don't never change, or I've always been that the take is king. For me, that comes first and foremost. I have to see what I like. I have to see on tape. I got to make sure I like a guy there first and foremost. 
So I, I do a lot more film work than anything else. But a guy like him, I mean, you can kind of see that on tape. Nice combination of size and speed. Now he's not a burner. You know, he's never going to be a, 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 you know, a Chris Johnson or anything like that. But he's also not a, a plotter. You know what I mean? He's got that combination of size and speed that I really like. And for me, running backs, especially in their first year, it's all about that opportunity. You know what I mean? You see a guy like Kareem Hunt go to Kansas City, and you know they had an injury in the preseason, and boom, opportunity pops up and he takes off. So I think opportunity is really important. Uh, scheme, offensive line. So if Penny can land with the right franchise, uh, I think he could have success in earliest year one for sure. So one quick thing, it's a combination of both of what we've seen with Penny over Pro Football Focus. I was looking for this while they're chatting. There's that stat where it, it could be misleading to Penn Todd. It's like yards per carry after getting hit. It's like it, it could be a couple of things. That could be your offensive line's terrible and they just let everybody come past you and you can you get hit and go. It could be various plays, but he seems to be like you said, great vision. So like there's reasons like he'll get clipped on the side, he'll do a side so like he amazingly like if he gets contact, he's not gonna just fall down. It's just kind of interesting because he's like number one, Saquon Barkley is at the bottom. Not that it's, it's all puzzle pieces of the puzzle we see. Like when we talk about Josh Allen the minute, it's always I see you like you, you watch a ton of tape or I'll watch metrics, I'll watch his feet, you'll watch A, B, or C to get one big picture. It just seems he's not gonna be what Donald Pumphrey was last year with he's doing a little bit with the Eagles, but with what he can do for vision and being able to take hits and keep going, you see have a top sixty guy, like what would be a good fit, as you mentioned, where he could either be a backup to play right away. I don't think he'll be what like Ezekiel Elliott did unless Kareem Hunt happens like an injury or some sort, but what do you see like a team fit and maybe his role depending on the opportunity he could be given? I, I really love the idea of him in Philadelphia to be honest, and I don't know if that's a team that will grab him at 32. I think it's a little early. As I said, they might have to move up in the second if, um, if they're trying to get him, but I, I think that's a, a good mixer there of opportunity for him. Whether he starts as a, you know, whether it's just as a third down back playing passing downs or, or short yards or whatever it is, I, I really think that if he lands with the right franchise, he can make an immediate impact in their one. And there's a number of ways to look at it, right? I mean, like you said, it could be like a Kareem one where injuries occur. He could, you know, I don't think Philly really has a guy who right now is with the peg. He's absolutely the starting running back, uh, you know, when the season opens. So he's someone who could maybe just really impress in the preseason, really get their attention during camp. Um, I, I really would love to see him do it all this year if I'm being honest. All right, so let's talk about Michael Gallup for a minute because it's it's kind of interesting how the narrative has changed, at least from kind of a distance. Where you know back in January before the combine, you know there was at least some sense that you know maybe this is like a late first round kind of guy, and it seems like you know the the enthusiasm has cooled off a little bit, like not not too much. You know, you see some kinds of numbers where you know he led the country, I think, last year, or at least among draft eligible receivers in like yards after catch or something like that but I guess my question would be you know where's your initial sense of where he ends up because I know that he's he's dropped a little bit kind of in the eyes of most prognosticators but how far has that how far is that drop from your point of view well for me to be to be totally frank I've had him in the exact same range the entire time and I really really like him I never really understood the, the first round discussion on him, so I, I don't know where that came from, and if it's cooled off, it's odd it even started there to begin with. I have him as a top 50 player on my board. I really do like him in the second round. Uh, I'm a big, big fan now of this game. Really, really like him. Starts off with his size. He's got great size for the position. 
does a nice job using that sort of game position uh, as well. And, and, and again, if, if he has slid, I'm not sure why, because I thought he had a really good combine. I thought it was really important for him, first of all, that he clocked in at six feet tall. I think some people were a little concerned that he was maybe, you know, it was actually 5'10", 5'11". But he shows up, you know, he's six feet tall, runs the 40-yard dash in 4.51 seconds, which I thought was a good time for him. Uh, and the explosion was evident. The thing that jumped out is the height and the arm height. You know, he's got that height and, and long arms. He sort of he has threaded the red zone, right? He's has shown the ability to come down with 50-50 balls. He also does a nice job really plucking the ball at its highest point. So I'm a really, really big fan of Michael Gallup. I think he's a very crisp route runner, very smooth when he's out there. Um, you know, he's also very dangerous after the catch as well with a lot of great work once the ball is in his hand. So I'm a big, big fan. I think he's a second-round guy. Maybe a team like Dallas, they don't draft the receiver uh, at 19. You know, if they don't go with the Corbin size or, a, uh, or a, you know, a, a DJ Moore or whatever, I think Gallup makes a lot of sense for a team like Dallas in the second round. I'd, I'd, if it were, I, I'd beat you to your next question. If you want to know about fit, for me, I'd really, really think that makes a lot of sense, especially in the absence. Dense. That's good. I'd love to go to the Cowboys because I'm a Cowboys guy and I just been honestly, hey, it's okay. We're, it's cool. We're good. I just him being all not very good the past couple years, but if they gallop and that'd be awesome for at least for me to see if he can do something good for the team I enjoy. Where do you put him like overall? Because you hear a bunch of good receivers. Like the, I think the first round stuff came from CBS, maybe like a sleeper type thing, but I think it's overblown, like you said. But where do you like where do you have him overall if you're top? Like that guy from SMU as a Corn Finnegan, other guys. Where do you put him? Maybe I'll fit again. I'll pass my name if I space it. But where do you basically where do you have my wide receivers? As I fumble the question brutally. <laughs> I, well, I've got Portland Sutton as my uh, wide receiver one, and I've got Calvin Ridley from Alabama, and I got DJ Moore uh, as my number three. Um, Anthony Miller is my number four, but Gallup Gallup is definitely uh, potentially my number five. I really really like him. I kind of have him in that same mold where sort of battling with guys like James Washington. And uh, I'm the kid from Texas A&M, Christian Kirk. But I, I, I do really like Gallup. I think he's a number six receiver off the board, right? I, I at least think he's worth of uh, going in that range. Again, around 50th overall for me on my board, personally. Yeah, otherwise it's fitting in. That's the old guy. Whatever. Let's move on. Let's, I don't need to draw all that. All right, let's get to Josh Allen because he's my, as Matt knows, my not-so-favorite quarterback. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we kind of differ. I, it's, he's the weirdest thing, like, it's not just us anymore. It's like when we were watching last year and now during the offseason and the year before. It's like either love him or like basically hate him. It seems like there's no in-between where he should be at because he – for me, like there, we've heard of all. Like he lost NFL talent. He had a couple guys from the year before. Or then if like Brian Hill, Chase Roulier, Tanner Gentry, um, guy with the uh, – Jacob Hollister with the Patriots. Lost a lot of talent, which is understandable team won mostly because of defense's pasture. He was okay. He makes those couple of great throws, but then he hits people in the feet. So what is your thought on Allen overall? Because we've seen him either be number one or maybe even dip down to, well, who knows, teens perhaps or something. If like Giants don't want a quarterback, Browns don't take him, maybe Buffalo makes a move or something. But what's your, first let's get your overall opinion on Allen and then what you think of him real quick. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I remember we had that conversation about him a few months ago, and, and we differed. Uh, we differed greatly on him, and I think we still we still will because I still like him. Uh, I, but you're right. This process it's really been fascinating. Sort of, quite possibly. I was thinking about this the other day. Might be the most scrutinized prospect uh, in, in some time. Look at the quarterback position. The divide on him. It's it's fascinating. Like some think he's worthy of going number one overall. Cleveland. Some think he's a third-round pick. You know what I mean? Like, like you said, there's really seems like there's no in between. 
When I personally put the tape on, I see someone, and you kind of mentioned it, who can make an exceptional play on one snap, and then he misses a layup on the next one. So it's definitely frustrating at times. It's that inconsistency that plays him, and then it's been a problem. At the end of the day, as I pulled through a couple months ago, I do really like him. I think he possesses all the intangibles. It's the stuff that you can't teach. He's that big, strong-armed quarterback. With, you know, he's got exceptional athletic ability for his size. I think there are some things that his game, of course, that need to be fixed. But I think some of that can be taught. Like uh, he needs to stop gambling. I think a lot of his interceptions at times are just kind of him coming to, you know, learn. It's okay to throw it away and live to fight on another down. And I think that's something that can be taught sort of through repetition and experience. Uh, that's something he's going to have to get down. You know, when he's escaping the pocket, footwork gets a little stagnant, gets sloppy, sometimes throws flat-footed. But I do really, really like him, and I think he warrants an early pick. For me, uh, I've gone back and forth with him and Lamar Jackson as my quarterback four and five. I've been locked into Josh Rosen being my number one uh, Baker Mayfield being my number two, and, and Sam Darnold being my number three. But I think Allen is in that QB four five range. I think all five of these quarterbacks, just for the record, are worthy of high picks. I think all of them will go in the first round for sure. And for me, Allen um, being my QB four five, I don't think he'll be drafted as QB four five. I think he's going to go earlier than that. I think he'll go before Lamar Jackson, and I think there's a good chance that he'll go. Um, before Rosen as well. I don't agree with that, but that's what I think will happen. So I, I, I don't think Cleveland will take him at one. I'm, I still think they go with uh, with Arnold from USC. But, I, you know, the Jets at three, I think will give him serious consideration. Um, Denver at five wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Buffalo comes up for him. I know they're currently thinking they've already moved up to 12 and could potentially move up uh, even more. I think Miami at 11 might think about making a move for a quarterback. You know, you got teams like the Colts at six have already publicly said they're willing to trade down. So I, I think he's going to go early. And again, for me, it's all the things you can't teach. I, I, he's been a first-round pick for me the entire time. I haven't changed my stance at all. Uh, he's he's not as early on my big board as he'll be drafted. Dallas, of course, yeah. with the quarter uh, with the importance of uh, finding a franchise quarterback, of course. But again, he's been a first-round pick for me the entire time, and uh, I, I'm firmly still in that on that stance. So let me, I'm going to extend that a little bit just because I'm thinking of like, you know, the whole Alex Smith versus Aaron Rodgers kind of thing from 2005 where, where they were both thought to be potential number ones. And obviously, you know, Smith ended up being the first overall pick to the 49ers. So where do you think is like the absolute limit that he falls to? Like the, like in, in the situation where, you know, let's, you say he's QB five, so let's assume let's assume he's the fifth quarterback drafted. Who do you think is the team that is you know that is making that selection? If that's the case. Well, if we're going to say we're, we'll do it without trades, so I'm not going to factor in and guess any trades that might happen. And I don't think he'll be the fifth quarterback drafted. I really don't. I think he's going to be uh, the second or third quarterback drafted. Uh, if we're going that way, I don't think he gets past Buffalo at twelve. And I, I don't think Buffalo is going to stay at twelve for the record. But if, if that's how we're doing it, I think Buffalo at 12 is, uh, is sort of the basement for him. Uh, I mean, just real quick. So do you believe that the stuff going out there, like Josh Rosen, is going to be sliding at all in this draft? Like to go behind, like, Darnold Allen and maybe even, like, Baker Mayfield or who knows, Lamar Jackson at some point? Do you, do you buy into that right now? I, I do, to be honest. I don't think he should. As I mentioned, he's the number one quarterback on my board. He's the second player overall on my board, period. 
but I, I do have a, a bit of a feeling that he is going to be the one to slide. I think Darnold definitely goes before him. I think Josh Allen definitely goes before him. And I have a feeling Baker Mayfield does as well. I don't think Lamar Jackson um, will go before Rosen, but I do think the, the first three that I mentioned will. Just uh, sort of that old line of thinking. I mean, his, his former quarterback, uh, sorry, his former head coach hasn't helped at all. Not sure what Jim Moore is doing, but he seemed to throw him under the bus every chance he gets. You've had some other people, just sort of that old, the uh, you know, NFL is very much an old boys club at times, to be honest. Uh-huh. Sort of, you've heard all the, oh, he's a millennial, or he wants to know why. And there's nothing wrong with any of these things, but at the end of the day, if the people making the decisions have a problem with it, then yeah, he's going to slide. It's going to be like, uh, not to make very good, a good comparison, but... Randy Moss slid years ago for whatever reasons because it's passed, and he burned every team like when he played whoever, like a team A, B, or C. It's kind of like what May- Mayfield's doing a little bit where, like, Mark and this guy saying this, they slide and become like a Hall of Famer. So not that Rosen could be that, but I thought he's one of the top top two got quarterbacks on there. But So that's why I say, like, looking – like, trades are impossible to predict, like, where Josh Allen can go. Let me ask you this. It's more generic thing to move on to the next player. Do you buy anything that the Browns would be dumb enough to take two quarterbacks before deciding to trade one of them at one and four? <laughs> I really hope they do, because it'd be one of the funniest things <laughs> yes. I've ever seen. Uh, i got to be honest. I, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. But no, I don't think they will. I can't, I can't imagine that was a very long conversation, if it even happened at all. Uh, that but, was hilarious. I mean, I, yeah, I guess when you've missed so many times, I guess you think about hedging your bets a little bit more. Oh, boy. Kind of going all in. But I no, I don't think that'll happen. I think they're going to take the USC number one and call it a day. It's just funny because it's not like it's a trade which happens like, oh, pick my player here at four. It was like, we're going to take two guys and then trade one. I'm like, are you, what are you doing? I felt that was like, because that happens all the time. Like, they'll make the pick, usually NBA because they have the dumb rule of trading picks after, but like, it's just seeing them like, yeah, we'll take two QBs and see what we have. I'm like, that's the worst. All right, let's, uh, let's get back to our Mountain West guys really quick before we uh, wrap up here. We have a few more guys. Uh, let's go with... Um, Cedric Wilson, another receiver, really quick over at Boise State. What is it kind of like? He's, I'm, I guess, you might need to look a bit more, but later round pick should get selected somewhere. But what are your kind of thoughts on him? Like, what he could do for going from Juco to Boise and now get a shot at the NFL? Yeah, I'm a big fan of this game. Uh, one thing you know, you mentioned, I, I interviewed him a couple months ago. He's someone I got to spend some time with, and he really, really left a great impression on me. First off, he could have made the jump to the NFL a year ago. You know, he had a big junior season, 1,100 receiving yards. 11 touchdowns, and I asked him about that decision, and he said, look, he was very honest with me, flat out, I wasn't ready. Wide receiver was still a fairly new position for me. He played quarterback in high school. He said, look, I was not ready. I need another year to prepare myself for that. And I, I thought that was very honest of him, and you know, another thing, I thought it was a very mature decision of him to make, because he could have absolutely jumped last year. He had the numbers um, that would have warranted a draft pick a year ago. I, so I really, really enjoyed that decision. I think he got better throughout this year as a senior. I think he did a lot a better job sort of recognizing coverages, being able to disguise certain things in his route running. So I'm a huge, huge fan of his. And this year, you know, his reception, so he caught 56 balls a year ago, caught 83 this year. Saw the re- uh, reception, you know, yards go from 1,100 to 1,500. So, yeah, really, really like him. Uh, you know, his father played in the NFL, Cedric Sr., played seven years in the NFL. So this is someone who comes from the NFL bloodline. He knows what it takes to be a pro. Um, you know, very, very good route runner. To me, when I watch the tape, I don't feel like I'm watching someone who's only been playing receiver for a couple of years. He looks like a total natural to me. I was shocked when I learned he played quarterback in high school. 
really, really good, smooth route runner. And, you know, when teams are analyzing him, look, sometimes we kind of overanalyze this process and we, we sort of, you know, oversimplify it. But, look, teams are looking for guys who can make plays, first and foremost, right, especially in the receiver position. They're looking for someone who can make big plays. Well, how about this? 26% of Cedric Wilson's catches went for 25-plus yards. I mean, that's talk about a guy who just finds a way to make plays. He's dangerous after the catch. Um, you know, a lot of his touchdowns came on post-go routes. Very good, very good getting deep, tracking the ball over his shoulder. I think he's someone who needs to get stronger. I'm not sure he's going to make a, a ton, you know, a big impact as a rookie. I think he's got to get stronger. I think he may struggle early on sort of with the physicalness of the NFL. It's, I think he's only about 188 pounds, 6'3". He's not going to cut it. But, um, you know, once they get their hands on him, an NFL strength and conditioning program, they'll get him right. I really like his potential. For me, I think he's worth a late third, early fourth round pick. I'm not sure what range he'll go in, but uh, based on tape skill set, everything that I've gathered from him, you know, I know a couple of the coaches down there as well that I spoke to, they really, really like him. And for good reason. As I said, my conversation with him came across as a very, very intelligent, polite, mature guy who's ready, uh, who's ready to play at a high level. So one guy I'm really interested in seeing where he ends up is Nevada's Austin Corbett because, you know, he's a guy who was in Reno forever. He's kind of a very steady presence along their offensive line. And, you know, one of the other things that I, I like to mess around with is over at Mock Draftable. I like to see how, you know, players at the Combine compare to players from Combine's past. And what really stood out to me was looking at Corbett's top two comps, you know, yeah, on the one hand, you have Dan Connolly, who was kind of one of those unheralded parts of the Patriots dynasty here and there. But the number one comp was Lael Collins, who was, an, who was a guy who you know probably should have been drafted a lot sooner than he was, and now he's on you know making waves on the Cowboys you know front lines. So, you know, I guess my question is twofold: How do you see Corbett's? You know, how do you see his skill set translating to the pro level? And where do you think he ultimately gets drafted? I think he's ready to start on day one. I mean, I, I really, really like him. Yeah, absolutely. He's really, really good football player. I mean, you know, he played left tackle on a bad offensive line at Nevada. So we're kind of, we're, you know, it's a bit of a projection to him playing in the interior. But I think he's a natural. I think he's going to be very good at it. I think he's ready to play from day one. I mean, when you put the tape on, he's one of the most physical, nastiest, meanest offensive linemen um, in this entire class, and I mean, that's how, I don't know about you, but that's how I like my offensive linemen. I want to see a guy who's physical and nasty, and, and that's him, absolutely. You know, he, he, I think he comes off the board, that's the second part of your question, very early. I think, he just, I think he probably goes in the top 60. I think he's going to end up being a second-round pick. I think for a team who, let's say, maybe misses out on a, you know, who wants to address their interior and misses out on maybe a James Daniels or an Isaiah Wynn, or a, or a Hernandez, you know, I think those three guys are first-round picks to me. I think for a team who misses out on one of those guys in the second round, we'll come back and grab this guy, and I don't think they'll, they'll regret it at the end of the day. Uh, he's a great player, really, really good player, very aggressive run blocker, generates a push, someone who fires really, really, really good football player. All right, let me, I'm going to tell us one player. You can say no if not because we didn't mention him at all, but Dejan Brown from Hawaii, offensive lineman, anything about him? at all being selected or anything you've looked at with him so far? Because he's doing uh, to, de- decent stuff in the All-Star games, so. Yeah, to be honest, I haven't, uh, he's not one of the guys I've taken a look at yet. Okay. So I'm still kind of still kind of working through the last, uh, trying to work through maybe the last 20 or 30 players on my board. I've scouted about 275, I would say, up to this point. 
So to be honest, he's not someone who's come across my radar yet. No problem. I, I don't know if Seattle will be the seventh rounder, maybe it's priority three agents, but he's not someone I'm familiar with. That's fine. I saw him doing a few good things. I was like, well, we mentioned Corb. Like, wait, there's another offensive lineman who was, had a pretty good career. So, no, that's perfectly fine. And then one last guy for wrap it up. We, I'm, a guy I did give you the name on, so sorry about Brown there. But Nick Stevens, quarterback. He's like, what, I don't know, top 12 of the class, I believe, from what I'm look, looking at overall. I've, maybe I like him a bit more than most people. Because he had a pretty, at least last year's pretty good year before. It's just a complete mess. Does he have any chance of being picked, partly because quarterback teams want a QB? Or do you see any potential of him maybe being like a late-round guy and just getting picked up somewhere just because he's a quarterback or he's actually talent to make it? Yeah, I think he'll get drafted on day three. I think he's around six or seven guy. Uh, when I put the tape on him, you know, I, I do think there's some traits worth uh, developing. You know, right now I know he's working with uh, Steve Fairchild. I don't know if you're familiar with Steve, but he's an excellent quarterback training coach. More than 30 plus years of experience. He trained a couple quarterbacks uh, in last year's draft. Kyle Slaughter, kid who ended up, uh, I think, originally in Denver and he's in Minnesota now. But Nick Stevens is working with him. Uh, again, I think that's an excellent decision. You mentioned uh, a bit of an up and down collegiate career. You know, he was benched as a French as a freshman, sorry, but got the job back. I think it was due to injury, and he didn't look back. Tough guy, been through some adversity. I think he's someone who comes in, and, you know, a team at State looking to develop a QB on day three. They'll look at him and say, "Hey, he's someone, oh, you know, who worked under center. You know, at TSU comes from a pro style offense, pretty good, accurate thrower. I think the knocks on him are going to be, you know, the arm strength is probably average. You know, I'd say it's average at best." kind of struggled with some of those downfield throws. He's a little undersized as well. But I do think he's worth drafting on game three. I think he's got some great work developing. At least can maybe turn into a high upside uh, backup, I would say. I actually have one more I'd like to ask about as well, real quick. Um, because, you know, a lot of the talk has been surrounding, you know, Richard Penny coming out of San Diego State. But, you know, Cameron Kelly's had, you know, a pretty nice offseason as well. You know, it seems like he, you know, had a couple, uh, a couple of nice workouts. I forget which bowl game he played in in the postseason. It escapes me right now. I think it was the senior bowl, but don't quote me on that. But I guess, where do you see him falling? Because I know that, you know, DeMonte Casey, I think, was a day three pick last year, if I'm not mistaken. So do you see Kelly as kind of following the same path? And, and do you think that he can find a way to be a contributor? Uh, I think he'll probably fall in, for me, he's a late third, early fourth round guy. Uh, but from what, from what I've gathered, I, I like him quite a bit more than some other people because I really like him. I think he's a very interesting guy to be very versatile, have experience playing both, uh, you know, corner and safety. Going back to what you mentioned earlier with Penny, you know, teams love that versatility. He can play more than one position. He's a guy who's got excellent length. I think teams are going to be very, very intrigued with the idea of maybe playing him at corner due to the length and ball skills that he has. You know, it's very evident those are two things for me that jumped off the screen. Um, when I began my process of scouting him, the first game I put on from this past year was against Stanford. And I was blown away with his performance in that game. I mean, guy, you know, I want to say a couple of sacks. I think they blitzed him a couple times. He came up with a couple of design blitzes where, um, sorry, he ended up with a sack. He forced the fumble. He had an interception. I mean, really, really good player. There was some excellent coverage uh, throughout that game as well that I noticed on tape when he was lining up um, even in man coverage one-on-one. So I really, really like him. I think he's a guy that a defensive coordinator can do a lot with, whether you're, you're playing him on the back end or he comes up and affect the run game, can cover tight ends and running backs, uh, can you know, maybe play out of the nickel, you know, cover some slot receivers, can play the uh, deep middle. I, I really, really like him a lot. Again, I've had some conversations with people who aren't crazy about him, 
So I'm not sure exactly where he'll fall, but for me, I feel comfortable taking him, and I would take probably the fourth round. Excellent. Thank you very much. No, our time is up here now. We've, we got in all the players we need to chat with within the conference. Me and Matt will go over the other guys in a minute. But, Justin, thanks for hopping on. So, check his stuff out. Go to Justin M underscore NFL on Twitter. Um, the Dr- Wire, was it, uh, what URL is it? Uh, draftwire.usata.com. Tight wire stuff. And thanks for hopping on. And hope you're weak. You somehow get a couple hours of sleep between now and the weekend because it's going to be nuts. <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully. I'm not sure I'll get much sleep, but um, it's all good. This is what we do it for. So I really appreciate you guys having me on, for sure. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks again. Thank you. All right, folks. That's what you've all been waiting for. All right, one more time. Thanks again for uh, Justin Mello. Check him out Twitter. As I just said probably 10 seconds ago, Justin M underscore NFL. The Draft Wire, USA Today, Titans Wire. He's we're all part, of, like I said, kind of part of the same family. Hence, quote Wire stuff, as mm-hmm. you see in the name. So, check him out. Um, check us out, and for all the draft stuff as we're going on along this one week, as I talk like this for some reason because we haven't podcast frequently enough, Matt. So I blame that on me doing my tongue twisters here. But here's players we missed. There's a couple players that either Justin hasn't studied on because he doesn't need to study a guy who might be a unrestricted or undrafted free agent on and make a team sixth sixth depth chart position at running back. So let's start off with one guy. I guess there's a couple of guys who probably could be drafted that we didn't get to. Let's just start with uh, Jalen Davis, Utah State. I was surprised because I I know Utah State fans probably don't like us this time because we don't do as much as we should. The guy spaced on me until oh, I saw an article the other day. But what we're both seeing is like a, what, six-round pick at best for him? But he made a million plays at Utah State. Yeah, I mean, especially last year when he was an All-American. So you would think that that kind of performance would be, you know, almost impossible to overlook. You know, and maybe some of it has to do with the fact that, you know, this year's draft is stacked with cornerbacks. Because, you know, when you consider the guys at the top of the class, you know, guys like Denzel Ward, Joshua Jackson, Isaiah Oliver, all of those guys are pretty good. But... You know, it's it's interesting to me because if you go look at something like you know, Pro Football Focus or, or something like that, that you know, on the one hand, they have their their seven round mock draft that they came out with. I think it was a few days ago on the seventeenth, so sometime last week. And you know, he's going in the seventh round. I think he was actually like pick two fifty four or something like that. But on the other hand, they also named him as one of the ten most underrated West Coast prospects back in late March. So, you know, I think I'm not sure where, you know, what the rub is necessarily. You know, maybe some of it has to do with his size, you know, because he's not necessarily the biggest guy in the world. I think he only measured at 5'9". You know, that maybe that's a little bit of a detriment when you're going up against larger receivers in, in the pro ranks. But, you know, I think he's the kind of guy where if you give him a chance, you know, he could surprise a little bit because, you know, he was... You know, according to Pro Football Focus, the opposing passers had a 30.5% rating when they targeted him. And, you know, he went into the combine and had a 36-inch vertical, which is nothing to sniff at, you know. And, you know, I think he has the requisite speed in order to be able to compete for a job as well. So even if he gets into a rotation somewhere, you know, I wouldn't necessarily count him out just because he's going to be a day three. He's looking more and more like a day three pick. Well, and also NFL passes a lot more. There's going to be five defensive backs in the field more often than yeah. there have been the past couple of years. So if you get taken late and you're a nickel back, that doesn't. It still means you could see 
if he does well enough, ten, at least ten percent of snaps any given game, which would be what seven, seven plays, ten plays, maybe per, maybe not ten, but t- depending how who you're playing, but at least close to half a dozen snaps minimum if he's even like your fifth or sixth defensive back. Well, and they also made note that, or Pro Football Focus, I should mention that they made note of the fact that he played almost as much inside in the, against slot receivers as he did outside. In, and he did that in, in 2017. I'm just going to give you the number real quick. It was 350 snaps in the slot, 310 outside. And the year before that, in 2016, it was 173 in the slot and 328 outside. So I think that, you know, in the same way that, you know, uh, Justin mentioned with Cameron Kelly, for instance, that flexibility, I think that, you know, a smart team is going to be able to find a use for that, even if he's a later pick. Definitely true. And also one thing, too, he makes plays, including the five picks. He had the three in the BYU game, what, two touchdowns, but also 15 pass breakups. So mm-hmm. he's versatile. He gets the ball. He makes plays. Size, 5'9". That's probably a tad below average for DBs, but I think he, he's going to make a name for himself. Like He always seems to make a play, and he late-round pick seems right, but I think he'll stick around. He won't be a guy who gets cut like within – 18 months or something after a year just because he's later on pick. I think he'll stick with the team and do reasonably well. I agree. All right, so should we go to a tackle machine, Frank Ginda? Let's do it. He had a year of eligibility left, decided to leave for San Jose, which I don't blame him one bit. <laughs> Sorry, Spartans fans, but your football team has struggled a bit after losing um, your coaches and everything. Uh, he hasn't got as much pubs as I thought he would. because he Is it because you think he plays in a bad team? Because he gets to the ball, like, as like if you're getting that many tackles, I don't care how good or bad your team is, you're doing something right. And so I just kind of think his production himself and being able to make plays would get him a bit more consideration than what he's getting showing or being shown right now from draft experts and other people as well. See, I'm not necessarily sure. And maybe some of it has to do with his overall size because, you know, he was playing in the middle of the defense but, you know, he's only six foot and 245 pounds. So maybe he's a touch shorter than a lot of teams would like. But, you know, I think we've seen that he has, you know, the ability to go sideline to sideline. I think we've seen that he's a very sound tackler. So, you know, off- offhand, I'm not quite sure because we know, you know, for instance, he had three cone speed that was under seven seconds. That's, you know, when you're looking for short area quickness, I'm I'm just looking off of NFL.com right now. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that was listed among his strengths. Just, you know, he's a guy who knows how to tackle. He's been steady, if not necessarily kind of a, an explosive playmaker like a like Leighton Vander Esch was, kind of getting into the backfield all the time. And, you know, as a, a tackling is, you know, never not gonna be important on the on the next level. So I'm not quite sure why he's not getting as much love as I think you and I might have suspected he would back in January. Could it be maybe he moved outside linebacker perhaps that size you don't want to be as like 6'2", 6'4", or whatever it may be? It could be. I'm not sure. But I'm looking at like just rank, like draft rankings like where are they on his position either. I'm not seeing him like in top 15 anywhere. Yeah, it's hard to say. It just, I don't know. I, I, it, because tackling like it's something that everybody has to do. And if you're really good at it, that makes you really valuable. I think whether you like the amount, again, he had led the nation tackles tackles per game, nearly set the NCAA record for one year. I know you don't want to go for raw numbers, but when you're looking at what he can do, maybe I did, because if you're that good, you're going to be found. Like there's guys who 
play in Ivy League or guys overseas who never touched foot in America playing decent football. They pick them up and draft him because, hey, we see something there. So it doesn't, like saying he's on the Patriots, or excuse me, not Patriots, but um, Spartans and all that stuff, shouldn't matter for a team that's not very good. Like, here's, I'm looking at the reason I say Patriots, I pulled up their roster just curious to see. Like, their linebacker, um, I guess these are inside linebackers or whatever. They do, um, let's see, a 3-4. So they're inside linebackers starting. Kyle Van Noy, 6'3", 243. Uh, Donta Hightower, 6'3", 265. The, height, the size is there, but the height may not be there. Like Edmund Robinson, 6'2", 235. Harvey Longy, 6'2", 252. So he may be, you're right, maybe just a tad on the height. If he was, It's like the dumb quarterback thing. If you're above six feet, you're good. If not, you're screwed. Maybe if he was 6'2", 240, he'd be considered uh, 20 spots higher. Who knows? Well, and just to, to take that a step further, if you compare him to what Van Der Esch was able to do at the Combine, for instance, you know, his 40-yard dash is not that far behind what Van Der Esch was able to do. You know, um, Leighton Van Der Esch clocked in at 4.65. Ginja, I think, at the Pro Day went 4.72. So, you know, that's not necessarily a bad comparison. And when, you know, bench press, for instance, Van Der Esch was only able to do 20. Ginja did 29. And, you know, I think Justin also made mention of the vertical jump at 39 and a half for Van Der Esch. And, and Ginda was only able to manage 33. But I think that there are some play, there are some measurables that, you know, that aren't necessarily unfavorable when you're when you're trying to consider him to a guy that's, you know, for all intents and purposes, probably a first round pick. So, you know, maybe the size is a little bit of an issue. But I think if you're trying to take the other, you know, things that are being measured into account, as well as the numerous amounts of game tip of him just, you know, like you said, being a tackling machine. You know, I think when you take that all together, you know, if he's a day three pick, you know, fifth or sixth round or something like that, I think there's the possibility that someone's getting a steal in that situation. One other quick note again, before we go, high school, he played basketball, track and field, sprint, and threw discus and shot put. So... He's fairly athletic, which most people are, but I'm just saying that's always a little something extra because those nuggets will come out when he's like, all right, who we got? Six-round pick, seventh-round pick. Hey, NFL.com says he played this sport. He played this sport, A, B, and C. So if you want those tidbits, there you go. Uh, who else should we get to? Um, is there any other player, draftable players you think we should? Is there anybody in Fresno State? Because you know them well, and I made a goof on my email earlier this month. Is there any prospects on the Bulldogs that might sniff the draft somehow? I mean, I haven't really seen – anybody of note like you know i think that malik forrester could have a shot to be a late pick um but honestly i feel like at least as far as this year's class is concerned i wouldn't be surprised if there were like you know a half dozen or or more undrafted free agents or things like that but as far as guys who are probably going to get drafted you know it it may seem kind of a bummer considering you're talking about a, a team that just won 10 games but I would be kind of shocked if somebody heard their name called this week. Okay. Also, the team was fairly young, so yeah, it's also something to consider as well. Um, do we need to mention David Miller real quick? Because I butchered the name pre-show with uh, Justin. So, is there anything about him? Like he he's a pretty productive guy, but I don't know if he's going to do much of anything. Yeah, I mean it's kind of interesting. Like I'm I'm trying to look through you know, different seven seven round mock drafts, which by the way, I have the utmost respect for anybody who wants to sit down and do that yes, for a living, you know, exactly. but you know, in the ones that I've seen, I haven't really seen his name come up either. 
I wonder if it's – because remember, he got arrested a couple times. He had a few issues with the law, so maybe that could be – but, again, if you're productive and you take up space, like if you're a defensive tackle or a nose tackle, it's like um, – I know um, Vince Wolfer, a little bit different example, looks like a kind of a schlub. He plays for Texan or played for the Texans, used to play for the Patriots. I think the Raiders for a hot second. He like has a big guy and he just takes up space. Not that that would be Moa, but if you're a guy that's fairly athletic – take up a ton of space and make two guys guard you, you can maybe find a spot in a backup or third string. I bet he'll be a UDFA, UDFA guy, but I don't know. Oh, yeah. Oh, here's the guy we forgot to mention, or at least I did. Nick Bodden, former quarterback, now fullback. And a pretty good fullback at that. Yeah, I remember, it was, I think, Chris Berger of the Athletics, and he's like NFL righty. He'll be fine. He'll make a roster. And there's only so few spots to be a fullback in the NFL, but – if you're one of the few, you could have a very long, productive career, and he could actually cut. He's not just a big guy to block; he can get a couple of carries. He didn't he didn't he break his hand last year and still make like a one handed catch or two sometime late last year, I believe. Yeah, something like that. So, so there you go. If you're a fullback, can make one handed catches, and he can block for whoever's in front of you. You're good to go. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you know because obviously teams, at least in, in the draft, don't really place that much value on a fullback. You know, he's probably. I would guess a seventh round pick at best, but you know, I, it's not as though teams that, you know, can get creative with a fullback can find different uses for them. Like whether he's like an H back or something, you know, someone like a Charles clay, for instance, I think that would be kind of interesting to see, but you know, I think the the template for him, like is, is the best case scenario. Someone like, uh, I'm, I'm probably going to butcher his name. The guy with the 49ers, Kyle Jasizic. It could always work. I don't know. I feel I feel like that guy is kind of the gold standard for how you look at fullbacks these days. And I've seen him kind of I've seen Bodden, for instance, you know, tied to any number of guy or any number of potential teams. You know, I just saw something where Atlanta might have some interest in him, which when you consider their running situation down there would be a very interesting fit watching him watching him lead block for, you know, Dante Freeman and uh, Tevin Coleman. Seven Coleman is still there, right? I believe so. But it's, it's like a lot of teams. Like, if you're a fullback, like, if you look at the Cowboys, like Ezekiel Elliott, if you look at, uh, I guess, the Seahawks are getting running backs. They weren't very good last year. But if you're a team that runs the ball a lot and have good running backs, like, whoever's going to take, like, Saquon Barkley, if you get a good fullback in front of you and it can allow you to have, say, instead of having an extra tight end a block, which they don't do a ton, but it just helps your team overall where you – doesn't put wear and tear in your starting running back. Essentially, that's where I'm going with this. Like, if you just yeah. single back, you get hit first. But if you have fullback, pave some room where you can get an extra half yard, extra full yard because they they're quick enough to do the counter. They can they're in the play. where also the threat to run the ball because you got the counter plays, you got the pulling guards, you got the reverse guys. You can open up your playbook so much. Like, you, yeah, you always see pulling guards. You have a fullback. Uh, fa- play action with the fullback it could do a million different things and if you run the ball up, i'm trying to um, who else? Uh, i guess with the i go well brandon went like this but another fullback over the jacksonville because he calls a uh, leonard fournette a fullback but like if you do it with the texans they, they run the ball reasonably reasonable a lot if you have a team that runs the ball quite a bit more than others a good fullback is invaluable well, apparently I had a few technical issues there at the last, last bit of the show as I'm talking about Nick Bodden. I'll hopefully mix it together where it sounds nice and smooth, but I just lost my connection, so who knows what happened. So 
Thank you again, Matt Kennerly, who joins us every single time, co-host here for the good old Mountain West Wire podcast. Again, thank you to Justin Mello. Check him out one more time at the Draft Wire, Justin M underscore NFL on Twitter, Titans Wire stuff as well. So great info for him talking about Josh Allen, Nick Stevens, um, Austin Corbett, all sorts of players, uh, Leighton Vanderish, all sorts of players are going to be picked and selected. Some who may not be selected, as me and Matt went over a couple of those guys. Um, the I guess not the marquee guys up there for the Mountain West, but if you like our stuff, we appreciate it very, very much. So thank you for listening, subscribing, downloading. If you haven't downloaded before, do it again. If you just found us, appreciate it. MWR.com, that's our website, but it helps out a ton if you subscribe to it, if you rate us, review us, iTunes, Stitcher, um, over at Blog Talk Radio. Anywhere you get a podcast can be found. If you give us a little review, share it. Let us know. If you like the draft talk, it's great. We had a, Justin on to uh, give us some good info about all the great players in the draft, uh, so give him a follow as well. But we will see you next time. Our next show, um, the plan is going forward, we'll have a show post-draft to talk about where these guys landed and everything and give our insight of what's going on and all that great stuff, who's get picked where, what would be a good fit. And then we'll... Sort of do a couple of shows, kind of transition, transitioning, excuse me, into 2018, where we will just go ahead and start talking about previewing all the teams. But again, thanks for everyone who listened. Join us on the show. We'll see you next time, folks. And again, check us out mwire.com. Well, apparently, I had a few technical issues there at the last last bit of the show as I'm talking about Nick Bodden. I'll hopefully mix it together where it sounds nice and smooth. But I just lost my connection, so who knows what happened? So. Thank you again, Matt Kennerly, who joins us every single time, co-host here for the good old Mountain West Wire podcast. Again, thank you to Justin Mello. Check him out one more time at the Draft Wire, Justin M underscore NFL on Twitter, Titans Wire stuff as well. So great info for him talking about Josh Allen, Nick Stevens, um, Austin Corbett, all sorts of players, uh, Leighton Vanderish, all sorts of players are going to be picked and selected. Some who may not be selected, as me and Matt went over a couple of those guys. Um, the I guess not the marquee guys up there for the Mountain West but if you like our stuff we appreciate it very very much so thank you for listening subscribing downloading if you haven't downloaded before do it again if you just found us appreciate it mwr.com that's our website but it helps out a ton if you subscribe to it if you rate us review us iTunes Stitcher um, over at Blog Talk Radio anywhere you get a podcast can be found if you give us a little review share it let us know if you like the draft talk it's great we had a Justin on to uh, give us some good info about all the great players in the draft uh, so give him a follow as well but we will see you next time. Our next show, um, the plan is going forward, we'll have a show post-draft to talk about where these guys landed and everything and give our insight of what's going on and all that great stuff, who's get picked where, what would be a good fit. And then we'll sort of do a couple of shows, kind of transition, transitioning excuse me, into 2018 where we will just go ahead and start talking about previewing all the teams. But again, thanks for everyone who listened. Join us on the show. We'll see you next time, folks. And again, check us out, mwire.com.